Hey, welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. I'm Rob Chartrand, the lead pastor of the church. We're a church that's for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and are passionate about helping people find their way back to God. Hey, if you're new, I'll have a bit to say at the end of the podcast, but in the meantime, let's listen to this Sunday's message. Awesome. Well, thanks, worship team. Hey, I am going to introduce, introduce to you a couple of folks who are part of our Greater Alliance family, some of them you are familiar with, uh, some of you may not be, uh, and they're just going to come up and bring you a, a word, bring you greetings this morning. Uh, the first person who's going to come up is Bob Weep. Bob has served as the interim pastor at Beverly New Life Alliance Church here, um, and then Don Newfelt is going to come up, and Don serves as our district uh, um, coach for Crosspoint Church as well. And so Crosspoint, as they come, we've already got one here, but you need to give them a real Crosspoint, welcome as they come. So, ladies and gentlemen, Bob Weeb. Yeah! Wow. Okay, you know that's. Uh, is this on? All right, are we good? Wow. You know, I, I was thinking as I was sitting there that if I was actually looking to in, improve my resume, th- this would do it. You, you, you don't have church for one week, and then, then the church grows to this numbers, and all these children arrive. So, I mean, that's pretty amazing church growth, isn't it? I had uh, the privilege of leading uh, Beverly Alliance slash New Life Alliance Church for since the beginning of uh, December of last year, and we, when I when I was hired by both the district and the church, we this was not really part of our plan at the time. But I was so grateful that both the folks at Beverly Alliance, the district, and our leadership team we're very cognizant of the fact that the Bible has a lot to say about our plans compared to God's. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my thoughts are higher than yours. And as we progressed in our thinking about what could the future look like for Beverly Alliance Church, We became involved in the conversations with Rob and some of his leadership team with people at the district office. And today, today I have the privilege of celebrating with you. And I'm telling you, church, we're celebrating. This is not, oh me, oh my, you people are swallowing us up. This is a celebration because this is what God has in store for you as a church. Now... One of the things that you at Crosspoint need to know is that the folks at Beverly bring a rich history that you do not have. They have there are people at, at Beverly Alliance Church who are here today who have been in that church for some 53 years. That's older than most of you are. As a matter of fact, that's, that's older than maybe some of your parents even are. And so, so they bring that rich history. So my encouragement to you as Crosspoint Church is don't Disregard the history that they bring with you. The, uh, Beverly Alliance Church brings with them some surrogate grandparents that you might be able to use. And so we're, we're excited about being part of that. Now, for those of you who are from Beverly Alliance Church will know this. The rest of you may not and probably don't. But, but besides all the things that I have done in my life, as a police officer and then as a pastor working at the district, and I think Beverly was my ninth interim position that I did. I also am a keeper of sheep, real live sheep. And I think it's only appropriate that a shepherd should have sheep. Something interesting happened last summer. We decided to increase our flock of sheep, and we added 30 more ewes. For those of you who are city people, those aren't just ewes like like that. Those are female sheep, just, just so you know. And a new ram, and a ram is not a Dodge truck when you have sheep either. But something interesting happened when we introduced 30 new ewes into this flock of some 70. 
they were kind of standoffish a little bit. And this larger group of 70 U's didn't quite know what to do with this new group of 30 U's that we introduced until the real shepherd came along, the farmer at whose place these sheep are kept. Didn't work with me, they didn't know my voice, but when this new farmer came, these 30 sheep, these 30 new ewes would stand offish a little bit until they realized that this guy was bringing food with them. And in a short period of time, there was this real integration. And I was thinking about that, and that's exactly what's gonna happen here at Cross Point Church, is that you, well, well sheep aren't very smart animals, by the way. Just, I just thought, I, I thought I'd throw that out there. But, as you integrate and as you unfold, I, on behalf of Beverly Alliance Church, want to thank you. Thank you for bringing life to this building. I didn't even know what those things were out there. I, I guess those are drums. Thank you for bringing energy into this building. And I am looking forward so much to hear what God will do in the future. As you folks who were formerly Beverly Alliance Church take advantage of the new ministries, have children around, uh, don't walk on them like I did two weeks ago, I walked on one, but I really did, he, she was trying to untie my shoe while I was standing there singing and I didn't see her. So engage in the ministries that have, and, and my encouragement to you all is that you have been given an amazing, amazing opportunity in this community to bring Jesus to this community. So thank you so much. I think this is, I think this would be a first for me. I don't think I've ever been greeted in a congregation something like this before. Bob, you're truly a way maker. Make it a way. <laughs> I'm sure they were. Well, what a delight to be here with you this, this morning as uh, just to piggyback on what Bob has already said, that here a building that has just a, uh, been rejuvenated and the excitement in this room, I'm, uh, certainly I rejoice together with you on behalf of our district superintendent, Brent Trask, and also Tim Beadle, who also served the Beverly congregation for many years, unfortunately could, couldn't be here today. I want to extend, uh, we want to extend our congratulations and uh, rejoice together with you. And I would also say specifically, uh, not only to the uh, Cross Point congregation that's gathered here, but also to the Beverly congregation, I trust that many of you will find a home here as well and continue to worship. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for your generosity. And we realize that in some ways it doesn't come without a cost, as we've been reminded as well. I thought this morning I would just anchor my thoughts in something in Deuteronomy chapter 6. You remember that Moses was going to be crossing the, or leading up to the promised land. And there he gives these words. He says, when the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build. Houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide. Wells you did not dig. Vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Fear the Lord your God, serve him only, and take uh, your oaths in his name. And somehow I thought, what appropriate words for a uh, cross-point uh, congregation. Beautiful poetry that the Moses uses right here. But he says we're coming to a place in the goodness and graciousness of God that he's given to us. And we rejoice. I'm telling you, the family of churches across Alberta, we rejoice together with uh, you as well today. But look at what he says. He says, this land is not raw land. It's not untamable. It's not inhospitable. It's not unproductive. 
There are large flourishing cities. In other words, there was a thriving economy there. Houses that were filled with all good things, delighted to move into a place fully furnished. Wells you did not dig, a ready supply of water, and a beautiful vineyards and olive grove, gardens of plenty. Wow. I think that's something how you feel as you come here uh, this morning as well. The main point of it all that Moses is saying, it was already there. It was already there. You can't take credit for it. It's a little bit like our salvation. It's a gift of God so that no one can boast, it says in Ephesians chapter 2. And this land, he described it as a land flowing with milk and honey. But he gives a warning. He gives a caution. He says, be careful. There's a somewhat of a danger that when people receive a gift after they've eaten and they're filled, it's a temptation somehow to become complacent. Well, we just expect it. Ho-hum. What would you expect anyways? I love the hymn writer who says in that uh, hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, it says, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. That applies to all of us at some time in our life. We all understand somehow that pull towards just taking it all for granted. And here it says, Moses said, don't forget the Lord your God. Well, what is required of us? And I thought of Micah chapter 6, 8. It says, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God? I know talking to your pastor, Pastor Rob, that's in his heart, that we would walk with humbly, that we would... Uh, act justly, and we would show mercy in this particular neighborhood as well. And so I say, together with Bob Weeb here this morning, Cross Point sees the day. What a glorious, what a wonderful opportunity. What a demonstration of the goodness and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. As it says that Latin word, carpe diem, seize the opportunity. And uh, may... Uh, uh, together with your leadership team, your pastor, uh, make fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ for his glory and for the edification of uh, this neighborhood, the building up and the salvation of this neighborhood as well. God bless and uh, may he richly bless you in the days ahead. Good to be here with you today. Well, first, uh, before I dive in today, I just know that there have been a tremendous number of people who have, through sweat and uh, sleepless nights and much elbow grease and effort, made this transition in this last month possible. You know who you are. Um, some of you worked your nine-to-five jobs, came in here and put in another five hours of labor consistently for multiple days straight. Many of you have been praying behind the scenes. Uh, you have cooked, you have cleaned, you have moved, you have used the skills and the gifts that God has given you, um, and all of this to make his name great here in the city and to the ends of the earth. And this morning, I just want to say to you, thank you, and way to go. Thank you. And if you have a Bible this morning or a Bible app, um, I'm going to get you to turn with me to a very well-known passage of Scripture. Uh, it's in the Gospel of Matthew. It's the 28th chapter, and we're going to start reading at verse 16. And I'm going to read the text this morning, and then I'm just going to dive right in. Time is moving on. Uh, we've got some other stuff to do this morning before we're done. I'm going to dive right into the text, and then I'll talk to you about what it means to us. But this is a story... Uh, near the end of the gospel, at the very end of the gospel, and uh, a story of an encounter between Jesus and the remaining 11 disciples. And here's what it says, verse 16. It says, Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw them, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything, everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always, always 
to the very end of the age. This is the word of God. Can we pray? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you it's living, it's active. We thank you that it's the sword of your spirit who seeks to pierce our hearts and change our lives and just transform our world around us. And so we pray, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, you take this word and you speak to us and you teach us and you liberate us and you set our hearts on fire, Lord, for you and for your kingdom purposes. We give you thanks now in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Amen. Hey, just a little bit of backstory about what's happening in the texts here. Uh, if you go to the end of Matthew chapter 27, you've got the horror and the great defeat of Golgotha. And then if you fast forward to the end of Matthew chapter 28, you've got the victory and the future of Galilee. And somewhere between the horror of Golgotha and the, the victory and the, and the hope of Galilee, something happened. And what happened was the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our glorious King, he came back just as he said he would. After three days in the grave, he rose to new life, defeating sin, death, and the grave, and beginning something new for all of creation, the beginning. And that's what we find ourselves here, that Jesus then began to appear to a number of his disciples. What we seems to be clear is up to this point, Jesus has appeared to all of his disciples. They've all seen him at least once. They've had an encounter with him. And they are following him now in obedience, and they've gone on to the place where it all began, interestingly enough. They're not meeting in the temple court in Jerusalem, right? They're not meeting in the great halls of learning or, 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 or religious power and authority, They've gone back to Galilee, where the mission of Jesus began. And they've gone back to the mountain. Very likely the mountain where Jesus first preached his sermon in Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. And it's there in this remote region of Judea, the sticks, as it were, um, where the common people are, that Jesus gives these final, famous last words of instruction to his disciples. These are incredibly important words. As a matter of fact, uh, they are foundational for churches all across the world and spanning across all of human history. This is the text that is known as the Great Commission. And as I've been you know, praying about this text, I knew uh, like six weeks ago, seven weeks ago, when all of this stuff was starting to roll out, I was like, God, what do I say on this Sunday? I mean, what can I say? I mean, I, I, I had no idea. And this text just came to mind. It just burned in my heart. And as a matter of fact, even just the... The thoughts that are coming out of it, the realities coming out of it, I knew that I needed to share with you this morning on this day, a very important day. Um, so this morning, I just want to share with you four realities about our common identity together going into the future. Four realities about our common identity together as we go forward into the future. Here are the realities that this text, I think, speaks to us this morning. Here's the first one, is that we are disciple makers. We are disciple makers. As you've seen from the video, the mission of Jesus that's given to his church is very simple. His mission is to go and to make disciples. What is a disciple? Well, every believer in Christ is a disciple, and every disciple is a believer in Christ. And the process of making disciples begins from the point where a person knows absolutely nothing about Jesus, which would have been me at the age of 17, all the way the continuum spanning towards full maturity in Christ. We are transformed fully by the power of Jesus living inside of them and living through them to be on mission. So that's what it means to make disciples. It's this full span of the spiritual journey of an individual. And Jesus breaks it down in three ways. How do we make disciples? Here's what he says. You need to be going, you need to be baptizing, and you need to be, need to be teaching. Let me explain each of those very quickly. First, to make disciples means to go. Friends, we are, a, we are a sent people, sent by God on mission in the world. Crosspoint, listen, if you uh, have been part of our Crosspoint community for a long time, this should be no surprise to you. I hope this morning that you will nod and say, yeah, I know that. Yeah, I know that. But more than anything, I hope that your heart soars with delight when you hear that this is who we are. We are the people of God, following God in his redemptive mission in the world. This is who we are. This is our identity. We are a sent people. We are not called to bring people to church as much as we are called to be the church wherever we are. Disciples bring the good news to all nations. There are no boundaries. There are no limitations. There are no insiders. There are no outsiders. Every culture, every social economic strata, 
men, women, young and old. We are a sent people sent to all the nations of the world. Second, Jesus says that making disciples means to baptize. What does that mean? Well, baptism essentially symbolizes the surrendered life and the new life in Christ. It symbolizes our death to our old self and the newness of life that is brought through Jesus Christ. Disciples, true disciples, just surrender their lives completely to Christ, and they receive his eternal and his abundant life in Christ through his death and through his resurrection. We are a people who baptize. We call people to the surrendered life and to the new life in Christ. Third reality, uh, the third thing about disciples, to make disciples means to teach. Now, this is a particular kind of teaching. Um, disciples don't just teach Bible stories or doctrines or ideas, and all of those are very important. But Jesus said that disciples teach to obey. In other words, the end result of this teaching is that people walk in the way of Jesus, that they live as Jesus lived, that they love as Jesus loved. We are transformed to become like Jesus. That's the kind of teaching we're after as disciple makers. Now, sometimes we can get sidetracked from the mission of making disciples. We can focus on the wrong things, or we can fixate on the almost right things. But it doesn't matter if you miss the mark by an inch or a mile. At the end of the day, you still miss the mark. Matt Emmons uh, discovered this in the 2004 Olympics. Emmons is one of the best marksmen in the world, if not the best marksman in the world. And in the 2004 Olympics, in a particular event, he was just one shot away from winning the gold medal in a 50-meter, three-position rifle event. And he was well ahead of his opponents. It was a sure win, okay? Uh, he didn't even have to hit a bullseye. All he had to do was to be on target, and he would have won a gold medal. So for his final shot, he eased into the spot, he breathed in, he slowly exhaled, and he fired his shot. Boom, right in the center of the paint. Now right after his shot, all the judges suddenly started conferring together, and they started talking and chattering, which was kind of odd, because usually they would, they would post his score right away, and he'd know uh, whether or not he had won or not, but no score was posted. And then after a couple of minutes in the scrum together talking, uh, the, disciple, uh, the, the judges came out and they posted his score and he got a zero. So instead of getting a gold medal, Matt Emmons on that day got eighth place. Now what had happened? Well, what had happened was he shot the wrong target. He was standing in the second lane and he focused on the third lane and he fired and he shot it, shot a dead bullseye. But at the end of the day, it was the wrong target. Here's the thing. You, you can be standing in the right place, but you can still be aiming at the wrong target. And it doesn't matter how much effort you put into it. It doesn't matter how much desire you have. It doesn't matter how sincere you are. A missed shot is a missed shot. And Crossman, let me just say this this morning. Sometimes the church can aim at the wrong target. Sometimes we can set our hearts on the wrong things. For example, sometimes we can get fixated on butts, on bucks, and on buildings. Butts in seats bucks in the plate, and buildings on the map. You know what I'm saying? And in so doing so, we, we uh, get sidetracked from the real mission. So you can have these three things. You can have butts and bucks and buildings. You can have all of these things, and at the end of the day, you can actually still miss the mark of what is the real mission. Crosspoint, I say to you this morning, this is a fantastic building, and what a tremendous gift from God. But this building is not the mission. This building is simply a tool that God will use to accomplish the real mission. And the real mission is making the disciples. The real mission is to introduce people to the living Christ so that they can experience his life-transforming power. They might be free, set free, healed. They might be restored and then become beacons of light and hope to the world around them. This is the mission that is before us. We cannot miss the mark. See, our goal, Crosspoint, is not to get people into this building. Our goal is to get the people of God out into the world. This building is not the destination. This building is a place of preparation, a place where we grow disciples, disciples who will go out on mission into their neighborhoods, into their workplaces, into their places of recreation, where we can be the hands and the feet and the voice of Jesus to the world. That is our mission. And so let me make this very personal and practical to you this morning. Did you know that Jesus wants to transform 
your life. And Jesus wants to send you out on mission. And the promise is, is that if you will surrender your life completely to him, he will do it. Will you allow Jesus to do this in you? And also, will you allow Jesus to do this through you? Listen, the great work that God wants to do is not in this building. The great work that God wants to do is in you and through you. You are the church. You are the church. And we are disciple makers. Here's the second reality. second reality is this, is that we have not arrived. We have not arrived. You know, what we also discover from the text is that Jesus' mission is one of perpetual motion. Let me make just a couple of observations from the text. First of all, Jesus uses these, these verbs that convey this ongoing, continuous action. He says, going, baptizing, and teaching. Technically, for the grammar lovers in the room, these are called participles. And the assumption that Jesus is making here is that these things will just keep happening. There's perpetual motion. They do not stop. Now, the second observation is that the mission of Jesus will happen to the ends of the age, because that's what he says, right? So this mission will keep happening until Jesus returns. And I'm sure you're keeping track this morning. Jesus has not come back yet. So his mission continues, and it will keep on continuing. Cross point. Now that we have a building, we might be tempted to think, hey, things are good now. Let's sit back and relax, you know, put up a feet, crack a cold one, sit in a lawn chair, enjoy life. It's done. But you see, that's what's called a, a cruise ship mentality. You see, if you're, if you're on a cruise ship, you don't have to do much of anything, right? You just bask in the sun, watch a few shows, sip a mojito, you know, let the staff serve you. It's, it's kind of a consumptive mentality. But the church of Jesus Christ is not a cruise ship. The church of Jesus Christ is a battleship. And on a battleship, every person on that ship matters. Every person on that ship has something to do. And we have a dangerous mission before us. You have a part to play. We are not a cruise ship. We are a battleship. Friends, we have not arrived. We've only just begun. You know, recently I, I just watched the movie Everest. Has anyone seen the movie Everest? It just came out a couple years ago. A few of you? Okay, yeah. Uh, spoiler alert, um, almost everyone dies, okay? Um, it's based on the treacherous Mount Everest climb of 1996. It's like Avengers Infinity War, but it's on a mountaintop during a blizzard and everyone dies. Oh, was that another spoiler? <laughs> Sorry. Hey, uh... You know, after, after watching the movie, I, I kind of I became a little bit, um, I don't know, fascinated by Everest. Uh, Everest, did you know, is, is the highest mountain in the world. It's about 29,000 feet. It's, it's incredibly difficult. It's incredibly dangerous to climb. As a matter of fact, the top of Everest is touching the jet stream. That's how high it is. Winds there are often over 160 kilometers an hour. And there have been reported times where the winds on the top of Everest get up to 320 kilometers an hour. Okay, So climbers are literally ripped off of the mountain. Uh, and then, of course, there are avalanches on the mountain. There are climbing accidents. You know, your systems fail or whatnot. There's also the freezing cold. There are these blizzards. In fact, because of the blizzards, there are only two windows during the year of about seven to ten days each when you can climb the mountain. The rest of the year, you have no chance of making it there. And of course, on top of all of this, there's altitude sickness. The air pressure there is so low and the oxygen is so reduced that once you get to a certain height on Everest, you literally start to die. Your body is dying while you're you know, climbing Mount Everest. Now, it's interesting. There's this point in the movie where there's this reporter, and he's talking to the people who are part of this climb, and he asks them the question. He says, listen, if this climb is so dangerous, why do you guys climb this mountain? And unanimously, everybody shouts out at the same time, because it's there. That's why they climb this mountain. Now, here's something I, I discovered about Everest that I didn't know before. I think i got a graphic here. Um, There it is. Okay, there it is. Um, on the south side of the mountain, there are essentially five camps between ground level and the top of the mountain. Okay, so there's base camp, 
which is the first camp, and then there's camp one, camp two, camp three, camp four, and then you get to the top. I did not know that. I just assumed you just kind of started at the bottom of the mountain and just made your way up to the top, uh, maybe a day's journey or something like that. I was a little bit naive. Uh, but there are stages in this journey. Base camp is just over halfway up to the mountain. As a matter of fact, most, fly, uh, most uh, climbers, they fly halfway to base camp, and then they climb the rest of the way up to base camp. And when they get to base camp, they actually have to stay there for two weeks in order for their bodies to acclimatize to the high altitude before they can go any further. They have to sit there at base camp. And then after getting just from base camp to camp one, it's one of the most treacherous parts of the climb because of this place called the, the Kumbu Icefall. Okay, it's, it's essentially a giant glacier that's, that's moving and that's shifting, and you could be standing on what you think is firm ice, and then all of a sudden it gives way, and you've got like a, I don't know, thousands of thousands of foot drop into nothingness where Golem lives, right? And you're at the bottom. Okay, so you're at the bottom here, and you're dead, right? And you didn't even expect it. It's the most dangerous part, just getting from base camp to camp one. Here's the thing. None of those climbers arrives at base camp and thinks to themselves, yeah, I'm here. I've arrived. Because the mission is not base camp. The mission is the top of Everest. If you're base camp, you're only halfway up the mountain. In fact, you've only reached the easiest part of the journey, and the worst is just right before you. Crosspoint, I say that to say this. We've barely gotten to base camp. We have not arrived. We've only just begun. And the mission before us is dangerous. It will not be safe and fun for the whole family. It will not be a bubble-wrapped adventure in a germ-free environment. It will mean hard climbing. It may be treacherous. But it will be glorious. We have not arrived We've only just begun. And so you might wonder this morning, hey, what does the mission look like? What's it going to look like? And the answer to that question is, we don't fully know. We don't fully know. It's not like we have a crystal ball and we can peer into the future and say, this is what comes next. But we do know is that there is one who does know. King Jesus, who sees all things and who rules all things. And he is the only one who's going to guide us up the mountain before us. And we will be seeking his guidance along the way. Those of you who were with us back in 2010 when we started, we often said a phrase around Crosspoint, which has rung true ever since then. The phrase is essentially this. We are building the plane as we fly it, okay? And we're hoping that it's going to hold together. But we're building the plane as we fly it. Now, I, I, I could tell you some things, that it, what it might look like. We're going to continue to grow together to be a transformed people who walk in freedom, are filled with the Spirit, and delight to follow Jesus, all ages, kids, youth, and adults. We are going to train and grow our people for mission and evangelism wherever they are. So wherever you work, wherever you recreate, wherever you live, we want to equip and empower you to be the hands and feet and voice of Jesus. We are going to continue to practice neighboring. We want you to host block parties, to practice hospitalities, to serve your neighbors. We're going to continue hosting alphas and kids capers and youth outreach events. And over time, we are going to discern what local mission looks like, both south of the Yellowhead and north of the Yellowhead. We know that we cannot do everything, but we can do some things. And we are going to seek God and discover what are those some things that God wants us to do as a church community. We just need to discover what they are. And in all of this, we're going to be forming partnerships with other churches and organizations that share our mission, our mission and vision for the city. And of course, we're going to be sending people out to the ends of the earth. And we're going to be supporting international workers who partner with us, who are part of our seamless link. In fact, today, our, Thailand, our team Thailand is meeting for the first time today in the upper room later on this afternoon to talk about our mission to Thailand, which is going to be happening in the fall. And that's exciting. So for now, we're still at base camp. And we're getting acclimatized to this new space. But Crosspoint, we have not arrived. We've only just begun. And there's so much, so much ahead of us. And it's going to be glorious. Here's the third reality. We are not the first ones here. We are not the first ones here. The church of Jesus Christ has been living out this mission of making disciples since the day of Pentecost. 
Each and every one of us here, we are part of a long line of disciples who have been making disciples. Each of us is here because of somebody else, or each of us is here because of many somebody else's in our lives. We are not the first ones here. Crosspoint, our church is here because in 2010, 100 people or so from Beulah Alliance Church, as well as a dozen people from some of our sister Alliance churches, followed the ridiculous call of Jesus to plant a church in northeast Edmonton. And for the past seven or so years, you've faithfully lived on mission. You've allowed Christ to work both in you and through you. Along the way, others have joined us. Some who were looking for a church like ours. Some who just discovered Jesus for the first time or are growing as disciples. And others who took a bit of a hiatus from Jesus and found their way back to God and are now loving him and serving him. But here's the thing. Crosspoint. We're not the first ones here in northeast Edmonton. In 1964, a man named Dr. Medford and some very enterprising people from Beulah Alliance Church launched a VBS program in the community of Beverly. And by the next year, worship services began at a place called the Beverly Crest Motel. That first service, 36 people were in, ten, were in attendance. Dave Charch, Dave Chart spoke at that. If any of you know Dave, he's a dear brother. By 1966, so this is just the next year, the church, because it had grown, had moved to Beacon Heights School. And by the year after that, 1967, so just three years in, they began uh, building on this site, which was dedicated on uh, April 9th, 1967. So that gymnasium and the space below it was built in 1967. Interestingly enough, that was five years before I was even born, okay? That was a long time ago. Now, from there, the church continued to grow, and so a second phase of the building program was completed in 1985, which is this worship auditorium space here and the uh, fellowship hall that, and kitchen that are beneath it as well in 1985. At its peak, the Beverly community here had nearly 500 people in attendance. Now, much has happened since then, but I think we need to remind ourselves that the Beverly Alliance Church has a long legacy of reaching the lost, supporting missions, loving the least of these, and growing disciples. We are not the first ones here. And you know, as, as I was considering this months ago, a picture came to my mind. Um, I envisioned two streams that were flowing, streams that are part of the kingdom of God, and they were flowing actually out of the same pond. The same pond as Beulah Alliance Church. And over the years, they found their way and they cut their course through, uh, through the world. And now... Um, in the wisdom and mystery of God, the Lord has chosen that our streams should somehow cross paths again. It's a wonderful thing. It's a beautiful thing. I'd like to speak just specifically to the members of Beverly Alliance Church community who are here with us this morning. I want to let you know something this morning is that Crosspoint's posture towards you is simple and it's clear. You are welcome here. You are welcome here among us. And our hope and our prayer is that you will join with us in our mission to help people become fully devoted followers of Jesus. That's our desire. And I thought it appropriate this morning, Crosspoint, that we should give a real Crosspoint welcome to the members of Beverly Alliance Church who are here among us. And, of course, those of you who are, are new, you realize what a Crosspoint welcome sounds like. And so I think we need to do that right now. Can we do that? Let's give them a Crosspoint welcome. <laughs> Keep going. Yeah. Stand up. Okay, it's good. Hey, you know what? The truth of the matter is, none of us were the first ones here. You know, the author of Hebrews reminds us that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, men and women of faith going back to the beginning of time, and we stand on their shoulders, and we are here because Jesus was working so powerfully through them. We are all part of something much larger and much greater, the forcefully advancing kingdom of God. 
And our response, the author of Hebrews tells us, is that we should throw off everything that hinders, you know, get rid of the junk and the sin that so easily entangles, and we should run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. We are not the first ones here, and we should not be the last. Here's the last thing I want to say this morning. The fourth reality from the text is this. We are not alone. We are not alone. When Jesus sent his disciples on a mission, he made them this promise. He said, surely, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And interestingly enough, this, this promise that he makes in verse 20 is connected to what he started with in verse 18. It's actually a literary device that uh, the author Matthew is using here. It's called an inclusio. It's like bookends around what's in the middle. Making disciples in the middle, but what's the bookends? The bookends is all authority has been given to Jesus. Nothing can stop him. He is above all things. And at the end is, I'm going with you. I'm going with you. When I joined my high school football team in grade 9, there were only a handful of grade 9 rookies who tried out for the team. And every one of those grade 9 rookies who tried out for the team got rooked. A mild form of hazing. Okay? A way of just saying, hey, we're glad on you, you're glad on the te- you're on the team. We want to make you feel really ashamed. Okay? So they rooked everybody on the team. <clears throat> but I didn't get rooked. Why was that? Well, um, I had some brothers that were older than me who went to the high school. And they were well-known. In fact, one of them played running back for the team. And he was an incredibly good player, and he was much feared. So, because of my older brother, nobody on the team dared touch me. As a matter of fact, they called me Little Chartrand, right? That was my, it was like I was the little kid brother that nobody would touch, right? Why would nobody touch me? Because of the one who'd gone before me. Friends, as we go out on mission, we have one who has gone before us, and we have one who walks beside us, and he has all authority, all authority in heaven and on earth. Nothing or no one can withstand him. Listen, the mission before us, it's too hard. It's impossible. And if we try and do it on our own, it will fail. You will fail. We do not have the ability to transform human hearts. We cannot bring dead things to life. Only Jesus can do that. And the only way we can accomplish the mission that God has before us is through Jesus Christ. We need to take Jesus at his word. It's in John chapter 15 and verse 5. Jesus reminds his disciples of this. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. And it's because of this cross point that we want to begin this season together in this space in prayer. I'm calling you as a church to prayer. I'm calling you in your own personal, private lives to begin to seek the face of the Father, to call out to Him. And I'm calling you to solemn assembly. There's a couple of days coming up next Monday and next Wednesday where we are going to gather here in this space as a church community to pray. Would you, would you set that aside in your calendar? Would you say, I'm going to find one of those days. It's going to be the same. We're just providing two separate dates in order to accommodate your schedules. Home group leaders, maybe you want to bring your entire home group on on one of those nights. But on the 14th and 16th, we're going to gather in this building and pray. We're going to pray in different parts of the building. We're going to go outside of the building. We're going to pray for the community around us. But it's going to be an evening of solemn assembly starting at 7 o'clock, about an hour and a half after that. uh, We'll be done. Also today, I want to invite us to pray. We want to begin by praying today. Because apart from Jesus... We can do nothing. But if we remain in him and he remains in us, we will bear much fruit. So I've asked four cross pointers to come and to lead us in prayer this morning. And we want to pray for four things. First of all, we want to pray for the love of, uh, for uh, the Lord's renown. We want to remind ourselves at the end of the day that it's not about us. It's about him and it's about his glory. And this is why we're here. This is why he's placed us on this earth. This is why he has saved us so gloriously. Then we're going to pray for the lost, those people far from God. We're going to pray for the least, those who are the least of these in this community who desperately need Jesus and and need the love of God in their lives. And then finally, we're going to pray for the love of Christ. We're going to pray that Christ's love 
infects our hearts and that we fall more and more in love with him as our, our loving, gracious God. So I'm going to invite those four up onto the stage at this point, and uh, I'm going to ask you to stand. And we want to believe God together this morning as they lead us in prayer. Let us pray. Father, I want to pray for your renown, Lord Jesus. You have given us much favor, and you are good. And our hearts are thankful beyond measure. Father, we declare that everything that we do is for your glory, Jesus. And Father, in these days and in these coming days, Father, I pray for strength and resilience. Jesus, that we would be as an army, Father, that we would be ready for battle, that we would live sacrificially, that we would be courageous and steadfast and distinguished. But Father, that we'd also be like sheep, that we'd be obedient, that we would wear a cloak of humility. Father, that we would have an ear to your voice, that where you go, we would go trusting. Jesus, that we would also heed your authority. Father, I pray against lukewarm faith, that our faith would be, that our faith would grow abundantly, Jesus, and that we would grow in knowledge, in wisdom, in our prayer lives, in our compassion, that we would be fully submitted, Lord, that we would know your joy, and Father, that we would also know the fear of the Lord. Jesus, we pray that you would guard our paths. Father, that as we live in this world, that we would not live of this world, Jesus, that our feet would not stray from your purpose, God. Jesus, we also pray for your favor, Lord, that you would continue to protect us, that you would bless us, and that you would be pleased with us. Father, with hearts of adoration, we wait for you. Um, I'm going to pray for the loss, but uh, before I do that, I don't always smell good, okay? Other people who know me know that. Sometimes he just doesn't smell very good. Um, That's the way it is. But um, I want to be the fragrance of Jesus. And I pray that every one of us here will have the fragrance of Christ, um, that people will be attracted because of what we do, what we say, how we act, what we believe in, <laughs> that, that he is our Lord. So let's pray, okay? Father, help me and everyone here to be the fragrance of Jesus so that people will come to know you as Savior, that they won't see us, they, they won't see our, our failings, but they will see you. And because they see you in us, because of your grace, that their hearts will be drawn to you. Um, Lord, I pray that for us as a congregation, that we will be a stepping stone. Yes, a stepping stone that people might come to know you as Savior. Help us to do that. Help us to be bridges, lights, a testimony of what you have done in us so that people might come to know you as Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. I will be praying for the least. Father, thank you for this opportunity that you have given us to be a part of your mission. Thank you that you have promised to go before us, that we can be confident. We can be confident that you are already here working in the hearts of these people, in the heart of this neighborhood. 
God, I ask that you would continue to grow in our church family your qualities of patience and gentleness. I pray that we would be a people of freedom, a place of love that casts out fear. Thank you for showing us your love first, for teaching us what this looks like. I ask that you continue to guide us together in practicing this love. Remind us who it is that we are serving. As we serve those in our neighborhood, we recall that we are serving you, our King, fully righteous, who we honor and we love so desperately. Solidify in us the beauty of this knowledge and create a love for these people that is true and pure with intention. Spirit of God, be the foundation in our mission. We ask for freedom for prisoners, sight for the blind, mercy and blessings for the families and the individuals we meet here. Move in their hearts that they may see that there is life in abundance readily available for them. I pray for restored relationships and for your grace to tear down the walls of broken history, of abuse, of trauma, of addiction, of shame, and of death. We know that you are greater than these things, and we give the glory to you alone. What an honor it is to be a part of your mission. We wait in expectancy and with dependency to see the miracles that you will bring. Thank you, Father. We ask this all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Lord Jesus, I pray that we are people marked by our love for you. We acknowledge that you loved us first, and we are humbly in desperate need of you alive in us that gives us the ability to love. Our faith is strong because of who we have faith in, that we take your command seriously that we live a surrendered life, that we make you Lord of all, that we love you with everything we have, mind, heart, soul, strength, that we love our neighbors. And Lord, when we fall short, we run to the cross. We run to the cross that is sufficient with your grace and your mercy new every day. We love you, Jesus. In your precious name, amen. Well, thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope it's helped you in your spiritual journey and it's helped you draw closer to God. Let me tell you a little bit about us. Crosspoint gathers as one church on Sundays in Northeast Edmonton. And you can find out our location and more about us by visiting our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. We also meet throughout the week throughout Edmonton in what we call home groups. These are smaller communities of learning, laughter, community, transformation. We, we think that the journey of faith was never intended to be an independent exercise. It's, it's something that we do together. So please visit our website and find out how you can get connected to a home group near you. If you listen to our podcast regularly, why not make it shareable? You could like us on iTunes or share our podcast with other people. But more importantly, we hope you will get connected with other people and talk about what you've learned. Again, hey, thanks for listening. We pray you'll experience Christ's love in a very real and profound way this week.